I'm Sally Prosser. You're listening to That Voice Podcast. No matter who you are or what you do, your voice matters. Unless you've sworn a lifetime vow of silence, this is the podcast for you. Now, I need to be on my best behaviour in this episode because I'm chatting to a school teacher, although I actually used to be her teacher, so maybe she's more nervous than me today. It's my pleasure to chat with Annie Ferrugia, or Miss Annie, as I should say. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So what I'd like to start with is ask you, would you be able to do your job if you lost your voice? No, it would be impossible. Um, The demands on a teacher's voice are incredible. I did go a couple of days last week where my voice wasn't where it should have been because I was ill and, and illness happens and the students struggled and I struggled because we just couldn't effectively communicate with each other. Yeah, so tell us a bit more about that. How much of a struggle is it when your voice isn't on your A game? It's exceptionally hard. Having to talk over children at, at different points of the day or um, over the, the noises outside, um, you know, my classroom backs into the, the school playground. So if anyone's out there doing sport, it's already, you're already battling with that noise. So if, the, if, you, if you're not able to use your voice appropriately, the kids don't understand, they're not getting their instructions, it's frustrating for you, it's frustrating for them and it just ends up with a whole lot of chaos um, in the small classroom. I can imagine, yeah. So you mentioned the the noise from the running around in the playground. What other obstacles do you have to battle with? So our school is going through construction at the moment. So we're battling with some uh, some tractors and trucks and construction workers um, who seem to talk at all points of the day. You've got different environmental noises. So you've got the cars outside. You've just got some chatty kids um, and any announcements that come over the loudspeaker. Yeah, so you and I know each other quite well because you were my very first speech and drama student, can you believe, back when I would have been about 15 or 16 years old. So we are going, let's just say, back more than, definitely more than 10, 15 years. Yeah. So we worked a lot, you know, every week coming along for your speech and drama lesson and we did a lot of voice work. Can you tell me how you think that's helped you with what you're doing now? Working on my articulation and slowing my voice down has definitely assisted. Um, being that a lot of my boys have, I teach a class of boys, um, given that they have a lot of processing issues, auditory processing issues, being able to slow myself down and really express the main points of what I'm trying to say has been so beneficial, as well as having that crisp, clear articulation. It's fundamental to the phonics program that we do having students who don't necessarily have the clearest speech, making sure that I'm always showing them and and demonstrating and modelling how to form words or sounds properly in my mouth so that they can can imitate it to assist their speech is really good, as well as just the fact of when I, you know, get to read books to them, which I love, I love story time with them, I've got this really expressive voice that the kids just love and they do really respond to. Yeah, so do you think that the the expressiveness of the voice is the main thing the kids respond to or or is it also the tone and the volume? Take us through what you think it is about the voice that helps the kids not just behave but also learn. Definitely the tone and the volume are, are so paramount. 
you know, I've only been teaching for about five years now um, and I'm just really honing in now on, on the different volumes to use being that we are quite a small classroom with only a few kids. If I use my big outdoor teacher voice, I scare the kids. So it's really, it's, it's knowing in myself what volume to be using at different times. In saying that today, I had um, one of the year five classes come in for about 30 minutes. And the volume that I used was very, very different to the voice that I normally use with my little kindergarten class, um, as well as the tone. So having that really laid back, friendly tone that comes through with my voice, that nurture, that nurturing um, tone that comes through is really important to these little kids who need that that love. I, I used my scary teacher voice yesterday by accident. It just accidentally popped out. And one of my boys burst into tears. Um, and it wasn't even aimed at him. It was aimed at someone else on the playground. They're just not used to seeing that and hearing that. Having a class of kids with autism as well, um, th- their ears are so sensitive. They're, they're very noise sensitive. So it's it's really working on on that side of my voice. And that's something that I, sh- I still work on every day. It's it's a constant battle. Um with me as I have big expressive voice very common of European people um just holding it back in to, to deal with my little my little friends yeah so Annie you're not just a regular school teacher you work with a special group of kids so just tell us a bit more about that so I teach um, a kindergarten class of kids with level one and level two autism I decided uh, my second year into uni, having worked with a child in a play-based program, that this was the the field of education I, w- I wanted to learn more about and I wanted to go into. And I'm very lucky to be living out, you know, my dream every day. Um, so my class has four little four little gentlemen in it. Uh, they're all six and seven. So oh, sorry, they're all five or six. So all kindergarten age. And they're exceptionally noise sensitive. So you, it's whenever we access the playground, it's wearing um, noise-cancelling headphones. If you go to assemblies, it's noise-cancelling headphones just to help reduce that volume for them because their little sen- their little ears can't process out all the extra sounds and it does become quite um, overwhelming for them and can lead to anxiety overloads, which could de- could be demonstrated through meltdowns, um, those typical meltdowns that you can see. So just having that, uh, the ability and the knowledge about my voice and how to use my voice has really allowed me to connect with these little friends and to support them um, to, to how they need to be supported, which is different to their neurotypical counterparts. Yeah, so would you say different in the way that when you've just got your four little boys, you use a, a, a softer tone? Yes, it's it's a softer tone. Um, there's a lot more, I, I speak a lot slower and a lot clearer, and I only really use the keywords that we need to be using or emphasising those keywords. It's a very, very special job that you do. Do you notice with other teachers that some, you know, not naming names or anything, but do you find other teachers struggle with their voice or struggle to get attention from the kids because of the way they use it? Yes, that's just the fact um, with teaching that everyone has different behaviour management techniques or don't necessarily know how to use their voice appropriately and it can cause problems later on down the track. I guess in the industry we're in, we're, we're using a lot of non-verbal cues as well with with our students to help gain their attention um, because teachers don't know how to use their voices appropriately and it does lead to a lot of vocal strain and, and um, can, you know, result in laryngitis or, um, yeah, so, some vocal cord problems. So I know our, our area 
Um, they do offer vocal courses for teachers to do because vocal strain is such a huge issue within the industry. Yes, and I'm going to put you to the test a little bit here as one of my former students. What aren't they doing correctly that is putting that strain on the voice? Let's see how much you remember. <laughs> They're not breathing correctly. They don't know how to use their voices um, to con- and to control their voices. Was that the right answer? Um, yeah, absolutely. I would say that generally it comes back to, to speaking too much from the throat and not enough from the diaphragm using the breath. And that's why you can sometimes get that really screechy sound or the voice gets too high pitched, which is what I've heard with teachers as well. Yes. Um, we actually practice using our intercostal muscles and our breathing muscles every day. It's one of the best ways of, of teaching the kids how to um, calm themselves down when they're, when they're having those meltdowns. So w- all my boys know the word intercostal diaphragmatic breathing. Uh, we're learning to say it properly at the moment, but we do lots of breathing techniques in the classroom, including ones that I learned back when I was a student and I enjoyed. Um, so, yeah, bring them back into my own classroom now. Yeah, I love that because, as you know, the breathing exercises don't just help with the voice. They also just help with generally being calmer, which is really important in the classroom. Uh, I've got a friend of mine who's a teacher and she said that she knows some of her colleagues by Friday, every single week, they have this extremely sore throat. Um, do, you, do you see the same thing? Even more common than not, especially during the winter months when people are already contending with um, colds and, and, and flus. Yeah, their voices are just so tired. Excessive speaking or over speaking is also so common. Um, because we have to we have to be heard we've got to communicate so much in such a little time that we don't rest our voices enough or look after our voices enough um to 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 handle the demands of the job yeah and do you do any sort of voice warm-ups at the start of the week or the start of the day I do regularly go through tongue twisters only because I know I speak exceptionally fast and I need to slow myself down but I do breathing exercises myself every morning one, to calm the nerves and the anxieties of not knowing what you're going to go into that day and just to prepare myself as well for what for what's coming up, to slow my own body down. Um, they're probably my main ones. However, we have been doing lots of work. We've got a school production coming up at the moment. So it's also then helping other kids with other exercises to prepare their voices as well. So lots of jumping and running on the spot and trying to maintain that clear articulation and not getting so breathy when they're speaking. Yeah. So can you take us through what breathing exercise you do? So I lay on my stomach. I'm sorry, I lay on my back with my hands on my stomach and take big, big, big deep breaths in, focusing on my stomach rising and falling and not using moving my shoulders when I'm breathing. Um, another one that we've got is we've got some blow-up animals that I absolutely love and I've um, put photos up of them on my teaching Instagram page, Teaching with Miss Annie. They're just from Kmart. They were $2. The boys love them. You take a big breath in through your stomach and you've got to breathe as much as you can, as much air as you can into this animal. They're animals. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, so you see the the ball inflate and then it's up to the students whether they want to see their animal deflate by just obviously removing the straw from their mouth or whether they want to pull the straw out and keep their animal inflated for a certain period of time. Um, we've also been playing There's a... a brilliant board game um, put out by Hasbro called Birthday Blowout where there's some candles on a cake 
and um, it sings happy birthday and then it does a three-second countdown and you need to blow out as many candles as you can. Now I've tried to trick the system and, and breathe from my from my uh, clavicular area and it just does not work. I cannot blow out those candles at the speed that we need to to win the game. So we've seen huge improvements in that as well with the with the boys. I love that. It's so interactive and we love it. We absolutely love that game and we love our, our um, animals from Kmart as well. Yeah. And what tongue twisters do you remember? Peter Piper picked the peck of pickled peppers. A peck of pickled peppers Peter Piper picked. If Peter Piper picked the peck of pickled peppers, was the peck of pickled peppers Peter Piper picked? Oh, pretty good. The only thing I would say, you've just got to watch out for that T being replaced by the D. So instead of Peter Piper, we want Peter Piper. <laughs> of course, I've got to slow myself down. No, we, we do. We've been trying to do them with the boys as well, um, with our structured phonics program that we do, where we learn a different sound every couple of days. There's been the ability to bring some of those um, tongue twisters in, which they love because it's nice and it's fun and it's fast and it's exciting for me because I'm seeing them that they're finally remembering sound. So as I hold up one letter, they're telling me the sound and then trying to say a tongue twister along with it as well. So it's very interactive. We have a very noisy but fun and productive classroom. Yeah, fantastic. Um, And now let's um, talk about how your voice and presentation has helped you, not just in the classroom with the kids, but for yourself and your own career. So potentially with your colleagues or in job interviews and stuff like that. One thing that I've been told whenever I've gone to a job interview is that I'm extremely composed. They wouldn't know that on the inside I'm shaking like a leaf. (laughs) But because I've had the vocal training and I've I've been I've done exams and I've done a Stedfords and I've learned I've learned how to manage that anxiety and how to to still use my voice effectively. So by using my deep breaths, by taking my pauses, um, by using different intonations and, and different inflections, it helps me come across as a, as a confident person, which I am. But obviously, in in different circumstances you know, there is the, the, the chance that anxiety is or, or nervousness rather is is present. Yeah, and it would also help with um, dealing with parents, I can imagine. Yes, <laughs> especially when you know what you're in for when a meeting gets called. Um, no, so it's been fantastic. I mean, um, even as I'm progressing through my career, I'm, I'm now presenting to different teachers at um, conferences or presenting to them at smaller meetings. So being able to to be really assured in myself and know that my voice isn't going to crack and break and and going to go raspy and I, I know how to use it. It definitely takes one of the pressures off when getting ready to perform or, or to have that conversation with people. Yeah, fantastic. And what piece of advice would you give any young teachers coming up through uni who might feel like their voice is is their weak weak spot? Go and find a vocal coach or watch Sally's YouTube pages and get some ideas because if you don't know how to use your voice appropriately, you're not going to have the success in the classroom that you're going to you're going to desire. Oh, couldn't have said it better myself. Thanks, Annie. <laughs> um, so finally, you have a very successful Instagram page. Where can people find you? You can find me at teaching with miss annie with underscores in between each word on instagram and soon to be a facebook page as well oh how exciting yes very exciting oh well annie thank you so much for coming on the show it was such an interesting chat and i'm so pleased to hear that you still remember those exercises that we did all those years ago (laughs) thank you very much for having me 
Annie is just gorgeous. Her students are so lucky to have her. I was a bit hard on her, though, with her tongue twister. Remember, she said Peter Piper picked rather than Peter Piper picked. So in the next episode, I'm going to cover off a few exercises you can do to achieve crisp, clear articulation. By speaking more clearly and crisply and articulately, not only will you be better understood, but you're going to sound smarter, right? And who doesn't want to sound smarter or at least have the ability to? Now, if you want to get ahead of the game, then you can jump onto my online program, How to Release Your True Voice and Genuinely Connect. And the part in there all about this is called the sweet sound of competence. Because that's what crisp articulation really is. It's that sweet sound of competence, the sound of knowing what you're talking about, the sound of really being on top of things, which I'm sure you would want to sound like. So I will see you back here for the next episode. And in the meantime, for more information, head to the podcast page, which is www.thatvoicepodcast.com.